0: While you're turning there, uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, we had an expression of the Holy Spirit uh, through the tongues and interpretation. And we believe that through Acts uh, 1 Corinthians 14, that God still speaks to the church today. So for those that go here regularly, that's not Maybe unusual to us. And if you're new, uh, maybe to a Spiritville church or to our church, that might be a little unusual, but we want you to hear what God was saying, you know, to just trust in the Lord and wherever you're at, man, he'll give you a season that you flourish regardless of where you're at. So I just wanted to mention that if you have any questions about that, uh, you can, uh, you can see me after church. I'd love to, love to talk to you about that. So We're going through, doing a study through the book of Acts. We're getting on the last uh, last few weeks of this. And most of you know the book of Acts is a study or the the history of the church the next 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, The big part of that is Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit just really begins to ignite the church you know for the next the next 30 years and we've been kind of walking through uh not not every verse but a lot of the the stories of the book of acts and we've seen god do some powerful things and uh, seen miracles and healings and people filled with the holy spirit deliverance god's been doing some great things in this book we saw a few weeks ago you know, just uh, the importance of the uh, church prayer meeting. Hey, and I want to tell you, the last two weeks have been some of the best prayer meetings we've had on Wednesday night. You know, now, my Wednesday night last week was a little different because my family left me at home. I had no ride to church. Never dawned on them, hey, maybe the pastor might need a ride. So I had to get an Uber to come to church. Cost me $30. $30 to come and pray, but I want to tell you something, I prayed differently, because when you got $30 on the table, you want to get your money's worth out of prayer, I prayed like I hadn't in a long time, so maybe this week, maybe I can get a ride, you know, so, long lonely ride in the Uber on the way to church. She said, you're going to church? I said, yeah, I'm the pastor. I didn't even follow up with that. <laughs> Lord. Acts 17. Acts 17. Paul visits three cities that we're going to look at on some of these journeys. Then we're going to open the altar and we're going to pray because I feel like what we sense in worship, we're going we're to end up there. I think God's just going to do some things at the end, so I want to keep want you to keep that in mind. So the first city that Paul visits is Berea. Uh, verse 10, 1710. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So Paul and Silas had to kind of slip out of their previous town because of some controversies. So they find their selves in Berea. There's a couple of things that I want to uh, just look at in this particular passage about the Bereans. So first of all, they were open and receptive to the gospel. Open and receptive to the gospel. The scripture uses the term receive the message with great eagerness. Can I just remind you sometimes that there are people in our lives that are open to the gospel? They are open, you know, to an invitation to church. We feel like, you know, every time that we invite somebody or witness to somebody, it's a fight, it's a brawl, it's spiritual warfare. But can I tell you, That there are people in the world, they are not anti-church, they are not cynical about church belief or church behavior in any way, they are just open to the gospel, they are looking for a connection, they are looking for an invitation, they are open to religious dialogue as well. You know, there are times too, and I want to remind you when we talk about people being open, that we've prayed for people. To come to the Lord, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And there are times that that prayer is answered and their heart is open and their ears are attentive to that. And it's in that moment we need to walk in and and, and build that relationship. Make that invitation when we see that openness in their life. So that happens. But also there are people out there in the world who are looking for some hope. There are people in the world that are, are are looking for an invitation to church or somebody that is a believer. Sometimes people are praying, you know, just kind of to themselves, Lord, you know, uh, help me lead somebody, you know, uh, to me. I talked to a person on the phone that had visited, you know, uh, recently, and they said, hey, I've I've been out of church since the pandemic. I haven't been back in church. I just... Man, I just knew in my own heart, God was just speaking to me that it was, it was time for me to get myself in church. So I just want to remind you that there are people out there that you don't have to wrestle and fight with. They are open and receptive to the message of the gospel or an invitation to church because some of them are looking to get themselves back in church. And I want to say, especially post-pandemic. Everything's kind of faded. Things are kind of getting back to normal and people are ready. And they're not just trying to find a place to go to church, but on a bigger level, they're trying to find their way back to God and to connect with God. So I just want to remind you that there are people that are open like the Bereans. They were just, man, their, their door was open and they were receptive to the gospel. So the Bereans were open and receptive, but they were also curious about the Scriptures and the search for truth. They were curious about the Scriptures and the search for truth. The Scripture even uses the term examined. Examined. So define that word for me. What what, what does that mean to you when it says they examine... The so the definition of that sometimes would be like a, when we say examine, maybe it would be like a medical reference that the doctor is looking closely. He's asking questions. So they just, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> they just didn't read. Man, they are examining, they're looking, they're asking questions. They're curious. If there's something they don't understand, they are following back up with that. And I just want to remind the, the church world too uh, how important it is for you and I to have God's word as part of our life and that we follow, you know, kind of the Bereans, uh, you know, with, with examining the scripture. You see, I feel like, I feel like sometimes that we are way too dependent on little devotionals that you can, re- that you can buy or podcast or online sermons or blogs. I feel like we we become a little more dependent on that. And look, I don't have a problem with that unless it is replacing you sitting down reading the scripture. Okay? So we we read those things sometimes and they are you know, they are the revelation and the understanding of passages that other people have read. And, and we, don't, we don't sit down sometimes and read ourselves. So I want to encourage you. If you were one... And it, it, that's a little more dependent you find yourself with blogs and and podcasts and devotionals that other people have written but really you don't have a reading plan yourself. I want to say thank you for at least doing something for your spiritual life but there'll be a bigger blessing for you when you sit down, grab your Bible, open your tablet, underline, highlight, and examine for yourself because you never know what God is going to say and what God is going to speak to you. Sometimes we are trying to bear spiritual fruit apart from his word. It won't happen. It won't happen. They were curious about this. They examined it. So, so, like, do you like to go to a sporting event, or do you just like to read about somebody's opinion of the sporting event? We want to go. Do you like to go to the movie yourself, or do you just like to read the review afterwards. Okay. We'd like to experience things ourselves and draw our own conclusions. And I want to say that's the same with God's words. So I have no problem with other, you know, other helps, but they are not a substitute for you sitting down, opening your Bible and reading through and examining, you know, examining God's work. They were looking for truth. They were trying to establish the truth of God's word from Paul's, uh, from Paul's teaching. And I want to tell you, if you are going to allow your truth to be established outside of the scripture, man, you are headed, you know, you are headed for trouble because truth does not move by the whims of social media, you know, uh, because that, you know, that, that's where a lot of people, you know, get their their uh, belief and understanding about life and is from the culture and social media. They think those that have the most followers establish the, the greatest truth. And I'm telling you, there's nothing further from the truth than that. Okay. So be a person, be a person that, that reads the Bible. And then the, the end of that, and I'm going to move on, said, as a result of them reading, many people believed And also a number of prominent Greek women and men as well. So sometimes we forget about the power of God's word to convert the heart. We think it's got to be something. These people are reading, they are reading. God's word, and there's something that is probing them, and they're coming to faith in Christ because of their study, you know, their study of God's word. So I want to just remind the church let's be people of the word. There is no substitute for God's word, his God breathed, God inspired word. And if you don't have a reading plan, I'm not here to you know, rebuke you or make you feel bad, but I want to encourage you. Tomorrow, all right, start with the gospel of Mark. Just start reading through the life of Jesus. Do a chapter a day if you want. Take your pen or highlight on your on your page things that stick out to you. Go to the book of Mark. Read the book of Acts. Read the book of James. Read the book of Ephesians. Start reading that yourself. Let God speak to you yourself. So if you're here today and go, Man, I haven't done devotions in a long time. I haven't read in a long time. That's okay. That's okay. Tomorrow, tomorrow's a new day, and let's be people of the word. Amen? Let's be people of the word. So he visits Berea. Now he goes to Athens, Athens, Greece. Verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed Uh, To see a city that was full of idols. So he's still, you know, kind of ahead of, uh, of his partners there. And Athens, Greece is one of the oldest and most beautiful cities of the world, okay? The Parthenon, the Acropolis, the Plaka, I mean, it is a beautiful city. And especially at that time, it was a center of education and commerce and art and architecture. It was the intellectual center and one of the intellectual centers and cultural centers of the world. It was prosperous uh, for business. At Paul's visit, it was one of the great university towns, you know, in the world. Uh, So while Paul was at Athens, and he's waiting, he's doing what everybody would kind of do, waiting until his uh, uh, friends showed up, so he's kind of a tourist, and he's walking around, and he notices the beauty, but there's also something else that gets his attention, and it says, he walks through the city, he is greatly distressed, because it is a city full of idols, it's a city full of idols, so you saw the grand temples, the Acropolis and the Parthenon that were built several hundred years before the times of Christ. so those buildings that you saw paul Paul had witnessed you know Paul had witnessed and looked at those uh, particular buildings and it's also said that Athens, at that particular time, one ancient writer said had thirty thousand idols, thirty thousand so when Paul it says he was distressed because it was a city full of idols, then that would be a very accurate description. So Paul is walking around; he's seeing these idols everywhere, and he realizes this is just not an attempt of a city to seem more uh, cultural or, or you know to display its its art and architecture. These are literal idols that the citizens of Athens are worshiping. So there's two responses that we see, you know, in this passage concerning a city that is full of idols. So number one would be the citizens of Athens walking amongst these idols every day, and it's not even bothering them. Doesn't you know, it's not even getting their attention because Athens wasn't always that way. It's always been an intellectual center and a cultural center, but it's never until like this point been a city that was literally given over to idols. So this hasn't always, you know, this hasn't always happened, but I want to say to you this morning, if we are not careful, values, morals, and spiritual beliefs will slowly change over time if we are not careful. So this city hasn't always been this way. But it started over a period of time that people started erecting idols and worshiping idols and this idolatry and idol worship became part of the fabric of, uh, of of Athens. So one day, man, you're you're going to your business and across from your business is an idol that's being erected and maybe it bothers you for a moment and then you just kind of move on and before long your city has been given over to idols. I want to just say something here that we need to be careful that we slowly don't get adjusted to the cultural rot that we see you know happening in our world I'm going to talk about Paul's distress I'll talk about that in just a moment but we need to be careful because we see so much ungodliness and craziness, you know on television that and 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 social media that before long it just kind of becomes the norm to the to the people of God slowly your values erode i want to say slowly your individual values and beliefs spiritual beliefs can erode and and as a church you become a little numb you become a little deaf to all you know all that is going on so slowly over time you can change all right i said When I got married, there's three things I'm not going to do. I'm never going to buy a minivan, okay, which I did. If I get a minivan, I'm never going to travel with the luggage on top of it, which I did. Got like seven miles a gallon. And I said as a parent, I am never going to give spit baths to my children because I hate when my, my parents did it to me. Well, I'm the spit bath king. When they were a kid, you know, I can't. I don't have a napkin. Just hush up and take this. All right. Things that you say, things that you think that you'll never do over a course of time, you know, you can just do. I just want to. I want to say we need to be very careful. That we're not like the citizens of Athens. I want to remind you, we are part of the kingdom of heaven here. And we go by the truth of God's word, which does not change. It does not morph. The the whims and the, the cultural tides of our nation will change. But we need to stay faithful to the truths of God's word. So the city the citizens of Athens over a period of time they were just worn down so now this city is known as a city of idols you know but you know it just it happened over a period of time but now here is Paul here is Paul he's walking down this and he's upset he's grieved it, the the scripture says he uses the term distressed and i want to tell you it's a very godly thing sometimes when you when you feel this uncomfortable you know feeling that the holy spirit will you know, that will, will, will put on your heart. There's a grieving. There's, there's a sadness. There might be also with that, a little anger of the Lord that comes with, you know, when, when, when we see that he was, he was not impressed, you know, uh, that with this religious architecture, but he realized these were literal idols that people, you know, that people were, were working. So he, are worshiping. So he's grieved. He just, he's distressed. He's mourning. I want to tell you, I, I get really irritated with my country sometimes. I love my country. If I knew the whole, all, the whole song, I would sing it. it's proud to be American, okay? I don't, just know the first line. So I, I love my country, but I'm very grieved. By what I see happening. I'm very grieved by the way that God has blessed this nation over the last 100 years. And we have moved away from God and turned our, our back on God. And I'm, 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 I'm grieved. I, I get angry sometimes. I get, I get like, you know, like Jonah. You know, like he looked at Nineveh and, and, and the Lord said, go to Nineveh. And he's like, I don't want to go. They deserve what they're getting. Sometimes I feel that way. Lord, we, de- we deserve whatever happens. We deserve. Paul, Paul was grieved, but I want to say this. He was upset, but he was also broken. He wasn't like Jonah that said, I don't want anything to do with them. Paul determined in his heart, you know, what this place needs is a revival, so sometimes we get very angry with what we see and 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 in uh, culture and social media and 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 we don't need to to curse the nation. We need to pray for revival. You know, he didn't just walk away from that. Paul took some steps to bring about change in that city. So I want to tell you, if you were like me and you feel a little upset and irritated with the secularism and the sensuality and the materialism of our nation man we don't need to just be angry and fold our hands and go you get what you deserve man we need to pray for revival in this nation revival in this land so he can't wait any longer so he walked straight to the synagogues because he he's just not going to curse the darkness, man. He's going he's going to be a, a, a answer for change. He goes to the the synagogue and he starts having conversations. He goes to the marketplace down where they buy groceries. He starts uh, you know he starts going there. He's meeting with religious people. He's meeting with secular people. Verse eighteen. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers begin to debate with him. Some of them ask, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So there are two people that he runs across with two worldviews that were prominent at that time. But maybe it sounds a little similar to the time that we live now. The one was were the Epicureans. They believed that life is about happiness, pleasure, and sensuality. They believed in living happy now and dying happy. They didn't worry about the afterlife. It was all about a life of self-gratification and what makes me happy. Sound familiar? It might have been a worldview from 2,000 years ago, but it's still prominent, you know, uh, uh, here today. Because we live for comfort and pleasure. Comfort and pleasure. That's like when you decide to go on a diet, it's the most depressing day of the week, right? I mean, we should be happy. We want to be a little more healthier, you know, uh, so we should be happy with that. But no... You let the first bowl of Brussels sprouts and water sit in front of us, and we're in a long-term depression. (laughs) You know, because we're not built in this society. We are built for comfort and pleasure and whatever, you know, whatever I want to do. So that was one worldview that he faced. Sensuality, pleasure, have fun right now. Don't think about tomorrow. The other was stoics or stoicism. It means reflective, analytical, Given to thought, ideas, logic, or reason. So the Stoics, and we use that term sometimes when people, you know, don't have a lot of emotion, we say that is stoic. Really, it just means thoughtful, reflective, analytical, logical, you know, with reasoning. So they live their life with life equations, you know, like two plus two equals four. Karma. You know, you get what you deserve. Fatalism, whatever happens. supposed to happen they believe they live their life by logic and reasons and certainty rule the day based you know based on your particular belief there was no allowance intellectually for faith and belief at all so Paul he encounters people that are believing those two worldviews so they go all right Let us bring you to a meeting. We want you to speak at a meeting of all of the academics. It was a university town. So this is where, it's called Mars Hill. It's where the the people gathered, the intellectuals, the elites, the academics. They all gathered. They brought him to address these people. I've been to Athens twice. I went to Mars Hill both times because I love this story. This is one of my favorite stories uh, of the Bible. So he goes to Mars Hill. And you've got all of these academics, all of these elites, all these philosophers, you know, uh, the Epicureans, the Stoic. And Paul begins to address them. Now, this is the same place, if you like world history, that Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, Mars Hill. The same place where they gave their life philosophies that have worked its way into our thinking. So, verse 22. I'm going to read you his message. It's about 10 verses. All right. I want to read you, now. I want you to pay attention to it, because it's one of the most brilliant, I love this presentation, one of the most brilliant presentations of the gospel that you'll see. So he's in this meeting of the academic elites, and here's what he says. Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus people of Athens, I see in every way that you are religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives himself to everyone's life and breath for everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out and appointed at other times in histories and boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far uh, from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being." As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine, that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made of hand or a human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands people everywhere to repent. He has set a day in which he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Okay. If you got some time, some time, you need to walk through that. That is a brilliant presentation in and, and the people, you know, where he's where he staying. So he's at Mars Hill. He just says, and I'm just going to recap it really quick. Hey, I see you're very religious. You know, he goes in with a compliment. He goes in, you know, kind of reading the room, sensing the room. But he also says, hey, I just saw, ironically, you have a statue to an unknown God. So you don't even know anything about the God that you are worshiping. But I want you to know that my God is a creator, is the creator. He's not confined to temples. And my God also... Reached out, he's not a lifeless idol, he reached out to humanity. He made this quote God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Then he quotes one of their own poets, which I love. One of your own poets says we are his offspring. Well, we should not be confined to simple idols and images designed by the mind and man of hand. uh, uh, the, The mind and the hand of man. We need to repent, he says. Prepare for judgment. And I love this. He said, and one day, you know, one day you'll stand in judgment. And the man that you will stand in judgment for was the man that was raised from the dead, resurrected from the dead. Wow, let me tell you, that is a that is a great that is a great response to the worldviews and the religious thinking of that particular time. To Epicureans there, and those that still have that belief today of un you know living happy and unrestrained money and sexuality. Can I just Reminds you today that money and unrestrained sexuality, the epicurean philosophy of today, will eventually lead you to emptiness. The human heart is not designed for fulfillment through sexuality and money. Not at all. Casual sex, unrestrained pleasure and sexuality has not delivered individual happiness as is promised. On the contrary, it leads to isolation lonely individuals, children without stable families, abortions, and sexually transmitted disease. That philosophy of the day will leave you isolated, hurt, and broke. The Stoics, listen, there's an element, you know, it's everything, some people are scientific based, they're mathematic, you know, they're scientists, they can't look beyond uh, the, the grid of an equation. But I want you to know that there's an element to the gospel called belief and faith. And it cannot be calculated or quantified by some human formula. You know, uh, you, you will miss out on all that God is saying and doing in the world and wants to do in your life. Because you won't even allow the, a little intellectual space for faith and God in your own life. You'll miss out. I want to say college students that are here, maybe you're new to Tallahassee, new to the area. Would you give them a hand? We're so glad that you're here. Maybe it's your first time living away from home and you're at church. Your mother would be very proud. I just want to tell you that, that you came to church. So we welcome you. Tallahassee if you go to Florida State University you're gonna love Florida State they had a great victory last night you're gonna love this congregation gets very carried away with a victory over Duquesne okay all right if you are a student at Florida A&M University we welcome you you played a great game last night you had some adversity but you played a great game last night. We welcome TCC. We welcome, we welcome all of you here. A couple of things that you need to know about this city. Number one, one question that you're probably asking is where can I get the best chicken wings? All right. That would be the Hobbit. Okay. Okay. I know you can't sleep, you can't study until that's settled in your mind. So it's on Pensacola Street, so I just wanna, you know, just wanna make you aware of that, okay? Another fine dining establishment we have in Tallahassee is called Woodchuck's, okay? Right down the road on Tharp, all right? The good thing about Woodchuck's is that you can fill up with gas and eat at the same time. And I wanna recommend, start with a dead Texan, but don't try to study after that. All right? All right? There's something else that you're going to need while you're here going to school. And that's the local church. That's the local church. Okay? Because your values, you know, are going to be tested unlike anything that you've ever had before. Your values in the classroom, you know, your values are going to be tested in the classroom. My greatest spiritual attack Never came from outside world, alcohol or whatever. It came from the secular classroom, okay? So your values are going to be attacked in the classroom and out of the classroom. And you need a church. You need a church family. You need the stability of biblical values, not truth that's all over the place. You need, you need the stability of, of, a, of a local church and the friendship of a local church. So I want to tell you it's one of the most challenging times of your life. But it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to take you away from your values and, and your spiritual beliefs. If you anchor in, you know what, this can be a very productive, you know, season of your life. So Paul, Paul gives that presentation at the very end, verse 34. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus from Mars Hill. You know, so I want to I stop there. So here's this guy. He's been living in Athens his whole life. He was part of this Mars Hill academic elite he was raised there, probably saw the, the idols and saw how that kind of developed over a period of time. He was raised in the atmosphere of pleasure and gratification. He probably had kind of a scientific thinking to his mind that did not even make the allowance for faith and, and belief. But somehow, at the end of Paul's presentation, he came to the Lord. He had all this philosophy, all this learning But yet there was something down in his heart where he wasn't happy. I want to tell you, I don't care how many degrees you have. You know, your your intellectual formation. I don't don't care all about that because it will never bring fulfillment to the human heart. Uh, Intellectual growth and strength and degrees. They don't have the answer for the human heart, which is Jesus. That's what Dionysus found. So here he is sitting. He hears this presentation from Paul. And at the end, here's a guy who walks up to the front and he gives his life to Christ. So I want to tell you today, your answer, if you'll listen to me, your answer is not in sensuality and pleasure and money. Your answer this morning is not in logic, reason, theory, you know, postulates and equations. You know, your your answer is is uh, is is it is not in any of that your answer that you will find that will bring happiness to the human heart is the is the person that Paul preached then that is the good news of Jesus and his resurrection that's where you'll find true happiness hope and healing and i would love to have a conversation with you about that if it worked if it worked out so all right last city last city he goes to Ephesus real close while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Okay? He goes to Ephesian. he goes to Ephesus, and he makes this assumption that everybody, everybody that's a, a, a follower of you know, or a, a follower or God, you know, leaning toward the Lord has heard about Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He makes that assumption, but they go, we haven't even heard that there is such a thing in Holy, uh, as the Holy Spirit. 20 years or so has passed. So it throws him off. What? You've never even heard of Pentecost, the upper room, Peter preaching. You haven't even heard of that. They said no. So he backs up a little bit and he starts asking them, you know, starts asking them uh, questions. So he says, so what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism, John the Baptist baptism, 20 years they've been, you know, they were baptized by John the Baptist and they've been kind of serving God in the revelation that they knew of that particular time. Of John's baptism. They're godly, they're praying, but they haven't really heard of anything else. So Paul in verse 4 says John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. So he can't believe that they've not even heard, you know, uh, about the Holy Spirit or maybe even about Jesus' resurrection. So he starts walking them through a gospel progression that I think is very good for us today. So he goes back. He explains the gospel in Jesus and the resurrection. So the gospel progression is hearing and receiving the gospel. He wants to make sure that they are Christ's followers. Okay? It's the first thing he says. Then he says, let's be baptized in water. They had already been baptized with a baptism of repentance from John the Baptist. But this is a different baptism. This is a baptism into Christ. Acknowledging him as our Savior and our Lord. The second part of that that progression. So one... Do you know Jesus? Have you followed Jesus? Maybe you've just heard about him, but you've never made him your Lord. Today's the day that you make him your Lord. The second part of that, if you made him your Lord, then you need to be baptized in water, the baptism of of Jesus' death and resurrection. And then the third part of that, he lays his hands upon them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They spoke with other tongues. They, They prophesied the evidence of the Holy Spirit came upon them now listen if they had if they were disciples of john the baptist then they've heard some things about this do you remember john the Baptist's message you know he what he said is hey the man is coming who's mightier than i whose shoes i'm not even worthy to tie you know talking about jesus when he comes he's going to baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire Man, these people have been holding on to that word for 20 years. They've been holding on to that promise. And, and now Paul lays hands upon them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to say there is a gospel per- Aggression that we, we want to honor with our life. We want to hear and follow Jesus. We want to be baptized in water. And the next part of that is to receive the Holy Spirit to open your heart up and let God fill you and baptize you with the Holy Spirit, uh, just like He did in the book of Acts. Now, listen, five times in the book of Acts, it records people being filled with the Holy Spirit. We've read every one of those. So this is not something unusual, something, you know, uh, you know, unprecedented. Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 9 at the house of, uh, excuse me, Saul uh, and others were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 10 in Cornelius' house. Acts 19. I want to tell you, and Brent, the worship team can come. When the Holy Spirit, when you're saved... The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Okay? He, he loves believers and it's his job to to bring us into Christ. Into Christ's likeness. So when I got saved, before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, it was one of the great growth times of my life. God was moving in my life. The Holy Spirit was working in my life. I was learning God's word. I was involved with the church. I mean, I was I was growing. So I, I want you to know that that once you get saved, until you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not a life of meaninglessness that everybody else has greater revelation. You know, it's not about that. It's not about that. I was growing and, and learning things about the Lord, but there came a time, man, that God spoke to me, and I felt, man, this is the moment that God is going to fill me with the Holy Spirit in three months after my salvation. I had not missed a day in my devotions at all. I didn't miss church. I'm going to revivals on Friday night. I can't get enough church in my life, but there was a point in my life that I knew that God wanted to fill me and baptize me in the Holy Spirit, and He did. I'm so thankful. I have a private prayer language, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 and 2, that I use almost every day. I experienced his power. I want to tell you, if you've been praying, asking the Lord, maybe you never have. I'm just telling there's a gospel progression here. Ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe you have. Man, you just keep praying. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It says if a, if a, if a man, you know, asked for a, 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 a gift and, a, and the father gave him a, a snake, he would be evil. He said, but the, Holy, but the father knows how to give good gifts to, the, to his children. So he gives the Holy Spirit to those that ask. Okay. So I want to say that. And I want to finish with Ephesians. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. While he's there, people are sick. And he started doing miracles. Paul started doing miracles. That there were people that were so sick that they couldn't even come to pray for Paul. So they would bring like handkerchiefs and things like that. He would pray over that. And, and I don't want to focus on that. I am going to focus on the fact, man, that people were being healed. They were just, God was healing people through a strange thing of just praying for cloth. But that's not the big thing. The big thing is that there was, in Ephesus, man, God was doing some powerful, you know, some powerful things. So I want to remind us as we're walking through this book today. In in Acts, we have seen the emphasis out, out of the book of Acts. What are we learning? We've seen the emphasis on evangelism and great boldness of believers. We've seen lots of people saved in unique ways. We've seen believers do unbelievable things because of this boldness that the Holy Spirit had given. But we've also seen healings and signs and wonders in the in the passage. People being delivered and baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if you want to encapsulate, you know, the Book of Acts in just a few sentence, a few uh, sentences, people were being saved. Pe- believers were walking in great boldness. People were being filled with the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders and miracles were there. People were being delivered from demons. We saw that over the last three weeks. There was. Deliver- deliverance from, from those that were held, you know, those that were uh, bound and people filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I just want you to know that the message of the book of Acts, it's still there today. God still wants to save. He still wants to give great boldness to you and I. He still heals. He still delivers. He's still baptized in the Holy Spirit. What we saw in this book is still for today give him praise this morning. Give him praise. Give him praise. So we're going to, we're going to close and the worship team is going to sing and we're going to believe God for those things in your life. You need to come to the Lord. You need to get closer to God. I want you to, I want you to step out. Man, you need to greater boldness and faith in your life, step out. You want to be prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, step out. You need a miracle, you need a healing in your life, step out. You need a deliverance, you need something that's kind of holding you back and you want to be set free, all right? Then then we believe that still happens today. It's the same God, yesterday, today, and forever. Would you stand? Would you stand? Worship team, would you sing that? Come alive in the name of Jesus. Hey, we're going to see God do something powerful this morning. We're going to see God do something powerful. As they sing, if you need prayer, any of those things that I mentioned, I want you to step out this morning. I want you to step out. I want you to come to the front. People are going to come and pray for you. Prayer team, come. Pray over them. I want you to come. God's going to do something powerful in your life today. He's going to do something powerful in your life today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, I want to just do a moment of prayer. So, Lord, we pray for those that are away from you this morning. Lord, you say anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, God, I pray that this morning you're hearing those maybe that have never accepted you. Maybe they've been away from you. God, I pray that salvation and grace is across this house today. Repentance, the prayer of repentance. God, you're renewing people. You're giving hope through the light of salvation. If that's you this morning, I want you to call out. Just say, Jesus, I need you. He'll take care of all the other theological parts of that. Jesus, I need you in my heart. Ask him this morning. Say, save me, Lord. Come in my heart. I want to live for you. Save me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to pray. I want to pray for those that need a miracle. They need a sign and wonder. They need a, a miracle in their life. They need a healing in their life. Lord, I pray. You are the God of miracles this morning, Lord. We're not praying to a lifeless idol like they did in Athens. But Lord, we're serving the living God this morning. I pray for healing to take place. If that's you, I want you to say, Lord, heal me. I need a miracle. I want you to believe that God can touch you in this moment. I want you to believe that God can touch your body, what you're sensing in your body is God's healing touch today. God, by the power of the cross of Jesus, by your stripes we are healed. This morning we stand and we ask you to bring healing to this house, miracles to this house this morning. I pray, I pray the healing power of God moving across this place this morning. God, I pray that you'll give miracle. God, I pray that you'll bring healing, Lord. Lord those that have been discouraged there's no way medically Lord I pray I pray the healing touch of Jesus I pray the healing touch of Jesus Come on get your miracle today Lord I pray I pray I pray I pray that today bring healing Lord bring healing today by your stripes On the cross, we are healed. We stand in the shadow of the cross. Healing comes no other way. Healing comes no other way than by the cross of Jesus we pray over that. Lord, I pray for those that need deliverance today. Lord, they've got something that shackles them, holds them bound, Lord, they need to be set free. Lord, they've got spiritual warfare going on in their life. Lord, I pray today. God, I pray who the Son is set free is free indeed. Lord, I pray the delivering power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, we announce and say what Jesus did. Lord, freedom to the captives. This morning, freedom to the captives. Those that feel like there's never any hope. I'll never walk on my own. This will always be besetting to me. God, I pray there's freedom today. I pray that there's freedom today, Lord. Shackles are broken. Chains are broken today. Liberty has come. Hope is restored. You're not a puppet and a slave to your iniquity. You're free, Lord, I pray. I pray today, Lord. I pray for those for the baptism of the Holy Spirit all across this place. God, I pray that people would reach out to you. Lord, as we see in the book of Acts, Lord, you love us, and Lord, you want to fill and baptize in the Holy Spirit. God, I pray, right where they're at today, Lord, people will reach out for reach out to you. God, you will fill them. You'll fill them. You'll fill them this morning. The Holy Spirit baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning I say receive that today the same faith that you got saved with is the same faith that will walk you into the baptism of the Holy Spirit ask him this morning Lord we pray we pray fill us with the Holy Spirit today baptize us in the Holy Spirit today We we need you Lord we need you Lord we need you Lord